Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. This is the OKest Hunter Podcast. Never pass on shooter bucks, if that's just me in the freezer. It's your tag, you hunt how you want. This is OKest Hunter. up everybody welcome to the oks hunter podcast coming at you from oconomowoc wisconsin in the oks hunter podcast studio in the uh cat pee basement (laughs) doesn't get old does it greg i uh i fed your cat some catnip before i came in catnip like the wild stuff you pick some cat weed yeah yeah were they down here well, one was down Which here. Which one, the fluffy one or the yeah, orange the one? Yeah, the fluffy one. Gus? His pupils were the size of saucers. It's funny. Holly's pupil is the size of a saucer. Yeah. She. Uh, we have to give our son, Dane, uh, he won't wear a patch, and he's got a cross eye, a lazy eye. Yeah. And we got to fix it, but he won't wear a patch. So we got to put an eye drop in his good eye so his weak eye can get stronger, and it dilates his pupil, makes everything all blurry. So Holly's like, well, I'll try it out with you, buddy. It's a very strong dose. It's been going on for 24 hours. My wife can't see out of her left eye. Ouch. She's walking around with this freaking dilate. Looks like she's on crack. <laughs> or whatever drug makes your eye pupils get big. I don't I don't know. Catnip. There it is. Anyway, full circle. We're brought to you by Half Rack. Go to half-rack.com. Check out what they got. 15% off. Um, or, I mean, if you want to save 15% off of your car insurance. I'm just kidding. Uh, of half-rack.com. You can use code OHP. And speaking of them, I think, Greg, you could fit probably, and for those on camera or watching, you can see this thing, is colossal. We've got our hands on their new cooler. There it is. The meat lug. The one and only. I don't know if they ended up calling it the meat lug or not, because I don't see meat lug on here anywhere, but Mm. it's pretty big. Um, I have one 12-pack in here sitting this way and i think you could probably fit debatably four or five of them easily so, 230 racks i think easily 230 racks and it's really meant to like hold a full bag of ice and a full large the size of like the equivalent of a large dough quartered up quartered so, and deboned yeah like and so this thing's <laughs> it's freaking fully waterproof the zipper's a bear you know looking because at it you, you gotta could, you could fit hindquarters as long as you got the hooves removed you know up up to the first uh first joint you know hindquarters front quarters and then all the all the trimmings would probably fit in there it's large yeah and our beer will stay cold i know you brought a cooler what did you bring i'm drinking what you got 
because I didn't want to be rude and say, no, you got a Yingling light lager. I, I got the light just for you because you were a little bitch about the standard lager last time. Mm-hmm. I do like light beers, though. Like, I don't even know where you can get High Life Light anymore these days. You cannot. It is gone from so, the market, sadly. PBR Light, I don't know if that's around anymore. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't drink the PBR Light. Well, it is delicious. Better than the regular PBR, no. if you ask me. Yeah, well, we're not asking you. Mm-hmm. So other partners on the screen, if you're watching or if you're listening, Latitude Outdoors. We got their new uh, Carbon Series Speed Stick on the table here. Light as a feather. This thing weighs, what, 19 ounces. Um, we have a review video on our YouTube channel that breaks this thing down. Well, like, we, we, I said in the YouTube title, like, in action, because mm-hmm. what I heard from those guys is, like, there's enough videos out there on the specs or specifications of these things. Right. There wasn't a lot at the time. And that's changing quickly. Well, I jumped on it like it was the, a trampoline. Like, yeah, like the usage of it. I, uh, I used it to hang cameras over the weekend. And you had some muddy, wet boots on there. How did it hold up? It was perfectly fine for me. We got a good bite. Yeah. Um, yeah, great, great stick. I mean, if you're into mobile hunting, you're probably going to have, excuse me, some set of climbing sticks. These pack really light. They pack compactly. Um, and they don't have any metal or moving parts. Yeah, they, they stack up real nice. So cool, cool product. One of the comments on the YouTube video was, you know, the 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 undertone is kind of like, oh, yeah, well, how do they hold up in water? But you could have just asked, like, oh, do they hold up in, in like, well, if they're wet really well? When so, I, so here's the deal. I went and hung cameras in the rain on Sunday. Passed the torch. Had no problem with them biting. I even used the, the aider on it. Oh, wow. Yep. Put the aider on. I actually... I, I think I even posted it in my story. Uh, climbed up the tree using my saddle, of course, with a lineman's belt. Hang off the side to elevate the camera. Yeah, you got, you got hands-free. Yep. Yeah, I had hands-free. It was great. Um, standing on the stick for the entire time. You know, the 20 minutes that it took me to fiddle around and get the camera aimed and all that fun stuff. So no issues on a wet, wet tree, wet boots. Um, I had no problems. Cool. Yeah. I forget the guy that did a YouTube video, but it was pouring rain when he did his. So I just linked to that. I said, I don't know. Look at this guy's video. He hung a set in pouring rain mm-hmm. and it was fine. So yeah, for that's worth, check them out. Latitudeoutdoors.com, uh, I believe, and code OHP will save you 15% off across the website. Um, same thing with Go Wild, time to go wild.com. They have all sorts of stuff. It's not just limited to one thing or the other, but the more time you log doing outdoor activities or even listening to podcasts um, will earn you some points and those points can be turned into monetary discounts and then spartan forge i'm eagerly awaiting the lidar launch release i want to i've been i've been so we're getting close to season turning on for some across the country that could be late august for most of us it's going to be sometime in september or even october but as that approaches i'm trying to find at least some idea of spots. And I will say my little uh, slice of private where I got the buck behind me is no longer available because they have officially started tearing up the property to build the house. Man. That was my one and only chance to hunt that property. Well. I mean, I probably still could, but it's like he's going to be living there. You know, it's going to be different. Or if there's yeah. construction and stuff going on at least this season, that ain't going to work. No, it's not going to be the same. So, yeah, that was... Uh, Properties change. So you can see that on Spartan Forge. Like when properties change, you can look at the 
you know, um, historical view of properties. And if it's available in your area, you can at least. And um, it's a good feature because you'll have a better idea of what's going on where maybe until you drive past an area, you won't really actually know. So it does give you a little bit more of a heads up than you're going to see in other apps. And if you want to save some money on an annual membership, use code OHP. It'll get you 20% off. And uh, if you, you know, want to try it out for free, it's free. You can go try it out for free. And there's some limited features you can check out there. Kind of kick the tires on it. But I don't know, you've been out hanging cams and snooping and pooping in the in the woods. What's well, up with you, man? I try to keep from pooping in the woods, yeah. but I've definitely been snooping. Yeah, I got out. I'm uh, getting, uh, getting some whitetail work in. In between that and trying to do a little fishing still and make content for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so far, I'm not doing very well at that, but... Uh, <laughs> You're doing just fine. You know, we, we, we keep the standard okay. That's right. That's how it works. No, that's good. You put more time in the whitetail woods than I do. We, you know, It's I, it's accessible to me, and my situation's different to you than yours. You know, I've got all that acreage to run around on that's literally five minutes from my house. Mm-hmm. You know, where you got to, you know, check things at the door, make sure it's okay, triple check it, and then run. And then you're going to get a phone call to come back because you forgot to check something else. Yeah, someone probably pooped in the bathtub or something. Yep. That's a thing. It mm-hmm. happens. Anyway, we've got a guest. Let's bring him on. I think we made him wait long enough in the background there. Dane, how you doing? Welcome to the show. You're live. What's up? Thanks for ha- thanks for happening, Greg. Eric, appreciate it. You bet. Yeah, you bet, man. How do you say your last name, Dane? Witset. I was cl- I was right. I think right. Witset. Yeah, you yeah, spot Witset. on. Wow, that never happens. Wait till my wife listens. Spot <laughs> on. <laughs> that's never. That's she never a thing. It. No, maybe she's watching. I don't, she'll, if she is, she'll usually comment or whatever. But uh, no, thanks for joining us. So why don't you just let's get some of the the stuff that I think we could tend to like wait till the end to do. Like, where do people find you? What's your name? Let's start there so we make sure we get everyone's attention as we kick things off here. Talk about uh, what you got going on over there. Well, uh, we're a small production company called Field to Food. Uh, We don't have a website. We're completely media-based. You can find us on all the big hitters. And the the idea and our mantra of what we do is is promoting um, ethical and tactical hunting, but also uh, taking what you get from the field and doing the best that you can with it in the home and in the kitchen. That's a really good summation. You did that very efficiently. <laughs> I've, pra- I've practiced that one once or twice. <laughs> How many podcasts have you been on? This is number three. Number, what were the other two? Um, Nine Finger Chronicles. That was the first one back in February. And then Origin of the Hunt with Charlie Bear. I think that was back in March. Nice. I know cool. Nine Finger. I don't know Origin of the Hunt that I'm aware of. Uh, cool. He's... He's Western PA. He's a great guy. Uh, just got to start, I think, just this year and only had a handful on at that point. I think he's up to 20 or some episodes now. Cool. Sweet. That's cool. And are you, are you, do you so what, uh, what social channels are you on and where are you focusing those efforts? Uh, the focus is kind of an ADD focus, but uh, we're, we're found on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram. And we just started the Instagram threads, but if you, follow us on there we're just sarcastic guys on that one yeah i'm sure that yeah we poked around there and i have not had any capacity to do it and i'm weak when it comes to writing so i yeah i don't know we're on twitter but barely no one cares like no one's there i don't know about threads yet but threads we'll, we'll is pretty I, I got the okas fisher in on threads nice. and just to 
see what it is and like there are people it's like twitter That's, yeah it's twitter you just post something yeah. and like i get no looks at whatsoever on on uh on OKS fisher and threads so yeah. it's good for repurposing i think but other than Maybe. that meh. it's cool no so you i think i see you quite a bit on tiktok youtube's interesting we've been putting some effort there with the show with some of the tactical stuff greg's got you know some gear things he wants to get into and um that's a that's a totally like that's a that's a grind that's a big bite to to bite yeah. off and chew tiktok's uh kind of trying to take market share from youtube in some capacity but like what type of content are you putting out primarily what's your is it add also or is that is there some strategy there no we, we definitely have strategy on, on our youtube's probably the most uh strategic we do full hunting episodes on our YouTube. We'll do a couple of fishing here and there. And then we also do cooking recipes on there as well. Uh, you won't find cooking recipes on any other other platforms. They just don't perform well. And honestly, we don't like filming them that way. We, we like making full length content. So the, the YouTube's kind of our bread and butter. And that's where we spend our most time. Uh, we definitely picked up a lot this year with Instagram. When Meta took over, I think last year or year before, we found some failures in there and almost put it down completely on Instagram, but uh, st- stuck with it and kept back up to it. And now we're now we're picking back up there. Yeah, it turned a corner. It had a lull somewhere in the year, and then it suddenly was like, "Whoa, this is doing better than TikTok." All of a sudden, I think it's yeah. a bit of a, a war between these social platforms, YouTube included in that. But yeah. That's cool. The the full length. So you say we, I think I've seen like you and your wife both do content. Yeah. Yeah. So she, what part does she play in this? Because gosh, having your wife at your side would make this feel a lot better. Not to say my wife isn't, she's in our corner, but that's different than at our side. uh, She's actually soon to be wife. We just got engaged back in March. Congratulations. Sorry. I'd maybe just assumed. (laughs) That's it. So she's pretty much operates as the wife. So that's fine. Yeah. (laughs) Um, her role has kind of taken a step back for this year because she's actually in nursing school. Uh, she's also a paramedic as as am I. And so her class is only one year long for her nursing degree, but it's very intense. Yeah, I would imagine fitting that inside of a year. Yeah. So it's, she's kind of taken a step back and that's uh, kind of redirected some of, of our content. But we actually just wrapped up another video for YouTube. We'll probably put it out early October. And bring some tissues because it's kind of a tearjerker. Like we got her. Yeah, we we have her explaining what it is to be a hunter from a new hunter's perspective. Interesting. She may be a good uh, guest for the the podcast on our network that just joined the onset. Oh, you can try. She is so camera shy. (laughs) It's not that hers. uh, The onset's just audio only, so she might luck out there. Okay. Yeah, maybe. All she's got to do is wander over and speak into yonder can. I, I think she can do that one. Yeah. Um, no, that's cool. So, and yeah, I'm not going to make any jokes. It's not about cutting up onions, but, you know, with the name Field of Food, what, like what are, what are, do you have like favorite recipes or what's done well? What have people responded to? How are you going about it? Because you, your content, like you, I've seen you do, I'm trying to think back to what I've seen you do that I've like, that's memorable. Like, I'm like, oh yeah, you were doing like critiques of other people's like, meal prep and wild game prep and i thought that's pretty cool like that's a lot of confidence so that tells me that you feel confident enough in your ability to critique others and i don't mean critique you weren't like bashing other people but you're kind of like giving a either a affirmation or b feedback and uh, i was like man 
I do not have that level of confidence. I think Greg might, but I don't think Greg's into critiquing people too much. No, I try not to. <laughs> yeah, and when when we were doing that, we actually got really positive feedback. We're, we were getting tagged, and we were getting messages from guys saying, hey, this is something I'm trying to do. Is there a way that you can help me with cooking this? And that's one of the things that's kind of always going on behind the scenes is people message us on any of the platforms and ask us, hey, can you help us with this? And absolutely, that's exactly why we're here. Uh, we did slow down with the critiquing because it's hard to find uh, wild game recipes that are open for a duet or stitch on TikTok. And uh, a lot of people try to keep those closed. So we were just, just going through the same videos over and over. So uh, if, if there was a, a way that we could promote, say, hey, tag us, tag us, tag us, and we'll, we'll keep doing these, then, then that's what we're going to do. And um, I, honestly, that's probably not a bad idea to do now. I'd be nervous. Like, I, I would be like, oh, God, I hope I didn't post a cooking video. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to get, I don't want to get called out. Like I'm not trying to get critiqued. Cause which, I, which is, which is actually why we stopped doing it because we were afraid that people were going to think that we're looking down our nose at people. And that's actually the exact opposite of what we're doing. We're, we're saying like, Hey, you're doing a great job. Keep it up. Yeah. That's good to clarify. I mean, honestly, that's a good, a good clarification point because I could use help in the kitchen, you know? What was it? What were we cooking the other day? And I was like, oh, I think I underdid it. And you're like, you guys are like, you got, you can't underdo venison. You can always be red in the middle and you're going to be good, but you can always overdo it and cook all the flavor out. And that's always been not fun, yep. you know, to, yep. you can, I can, I can ruin it that way. And honestly, like my biggest critic is my wife. If I can get her to like something, then we're, we're, it's golden, but that's hard to do with her. She's pretty, she won't even reheat burgers cow meat burgers beef because she's like well if i reheat a microwave it tastes gamey i'm like what are you even talking about it does mm. have a different taste when you microwave stuff honestly if you want the best flavor out of any red meat yeah don't use the microwave yeah, yeah. but it was just that's how Agreed. sensitive she is to it where it's like this thing that's beef which is nothing to do with wild game whatsoever to her will end up tasting like that and i'm like man so it's that's what i'm dealing with you know it's it's tricky with her so so who's so who's cooking in your guys' households more often? You guys or the wives? I'm doing more of the cooking than anybody. My wife's um, doing most of it these days. But yeah, yeah, I'll go like Greg talk. He's quite the yeah. I mean, I I do everything when it comes to wild game or fish. That's that's my realm. Um, my wife does a good job at, at other things, but when it comes to to grilling or cooking, that's usually my. <laughs> my little my little place to to take care of business well you have a garden and you kill all sorts of wild game you're out like killing ditch chickens and yeah. you're fishing all the time you're doing a lot of diverse outdoor activities you're getting morel mushrooms uh, varieties like of spice of life man you gotta dive into it yeah but you gotta have you gotta have some ingredients to work with and so it's nice to have some things you know frozen corn or frozen green beans or whatever that I can put up. Um, this year I didn't do as much of a garden, so it's just a little plot in the backyard. I didn't go out and by the farm and do it. And I'm glad I didn't because we've had such a nasty drought this year. It would have been tough. I would have been mm -hmm. barreling water there daily, and I don't think it would have survived. So I just planted some little things in, in my little garden behind the house, and it's doing okay. 
we're getting a few tomatoes here and there. The pepper plants are doing awful. And uh, yeah, usually by this time of the season, you're hauling over bags of uh, cucumbers yeah. and tomatoes for me, and that Nothing. hasn't happened yet. Nope. And it probably won't because I only planted three tomato plants. There's no reason to have more than three or four. It's just a lot of work unless you're into canning stuff and you eat a lot of sauce or whatever. Do you can stuff? I haven't. My mother-in-law will do it. My parents will do it. I don't have, I just don't have the time. And I, I don't know, I need a bigger stove. I need a (laughs) a gas-fired stove would be ideal. But, yeah. Dane, what about you? Are you canning or like what? Talk about your whole arsenal here. Like I'm, I'm looking at you as a thought leader in this topic to some degree. So take the floor a little bit here and kind of guide us down some of the things okay. you do and are involved with in the outdoor. Like, how are you going from field to table? Like, what does that look like for you guys? Well, um, so when we're going straight from the field, we've actually changed how we uh, take the deer out over the past couple of years, trying to figure out which, which we felt uh, preserved the best flavor and we're down to the quartering out and packing out method and just completely doing a, a gutless field dress. And that so far has proven to us to be most beneficial. And we think that's because you're getting it away from the skin right away. So all that meat is able to cool immediately. And uh, we bought a frame backpack, started doing that. And then uh, here in our basement, we got a Facebook marketplace crappy old refrigerator that we turned into our own little um, game cooler. And we put all, all, all of our game in there for a minimum of four to five days before we even start butchering it up. Interesting. And what's the purpose for that? Tell me more. Uh, we feel that it releases some of the moisture. And during the, the rigor mortis process, when the meat gets real stiff, it actually is able to stretch out and use gravity to release itself. So you're not getting tight muscle groups going straight to the freezer. And we found that that uh, creates a more tender eating experience once we do finally cook it. Wow. I wouldn't have thought of that at all. There's a, a, a gentleman that is actually in my neck of the woods who I know listens to the podcast from time to time. I'm not sure if he catches every episode, but he he showed up to a, I was at a buddy's house with some friends that I didn't see in a while. And he showed up with some meat to throw on the grill. And I didn't pay much attention until I took a bite. And I was like, whoa, this is noticeably different than anything else I've had in a very long time. I was like, did you cook this with like an obscene amount of butter? Like, why is this so tender? And what's with this buttery flavor? And he went on to explain, he's like, I vacuum seal my meat as I'm butchering it and I'm breaking it down. I'm, I vacuum seal it and um, he keeps it refrigerated, doesn't freeze it. And by va- and I might be getting this wrong. So he might call me tomorrow and be like, dude, you totally messed that up. Maybe not. But in any event, he's like, oxygen is what is the, the problem. As long mm-hmm. as it stays cold, there's no oxygen that can just continue to like get more and more tender over time. Sure. And then, so then by the time he threw it on the grill, it was like, I was like, holy shit, this is one of the better eating experiences I've ever had with meat. And he, he just lets it age. He ages, like, I feel like steakhouses do this to some degree in some way or shape or form that I don't actually understand where they're aging meat, which I can't fully comprehend. Cause I'm like, isn't that like bad? Aren't you inviting some like bacteria in or something? Well, there's just enough enzymes and good bacteria in it to help kind of break it down. That's probably a word that was used in that conversation that I didn't get enzymes. And when you, (laughs) and and when you, when you vacuum seal it, oxygen, oxygen is what allows things to grow. It's, it's cut off from that. 
Yes. Yeah, Greg, it, Greg, I think you have it completely right. And it sounds like your buddy, Eric, is actually doing a wet aging process. That and sounds that, accurate. That, yeah, that, that is pretty popular in the in the food industry, especially those higher end restaurants. Yeah, I mean, this dude's doing elk hunting. He's a pretty big elk hunter. He goes out west to do that quite often. Then he gets whitetail also. Uh, but just like he's like, <laughs> I look over at him more. We're drinking. And at one point, he's the meat's gone. It's been long gone. He's just gnawing on the bone. He's like, oh, I'm like a freaking caveman. I just love this shit. He's like, I also love bone marrow. Da, 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 da. I'm like, holy shit, John. You're like an actual caveman right now. But <laughs> by the way, that meat was really good. And then another dude showed up and he brought, what did he bring? It was, um, oh, he brought something from his garden he, and he made like some drink from this. Maybe I told you about it, Greg. I, I don't remember now, but it was like this great experience. It was like basically... It felt like we were eating out at like this five-star restaurant on my buddy's deck. We're having all these great food. Was it strawberry milk? Oh, it was Did rhubarb. It was rhubarb uh, gin or something. <laughs> huh. Like he he that's, like that's distilled rhubarb, boiled it, did all the stuff. And like, then we had like a rhubarb gin thing going on. I was like, never have I ever had a rhubarb mixed drink. And it was delightful. It was just delightful. So I really love this concept of like, it, it, it like elevates your eating experience to a heavenly level. Like I would, I would actually argue that like, this is how God intended us to eat. And instead <laughs> we have McDonald's on every effing corner. <laughs> All right. So like, there's a vast, you know, uh, spectrum there of like how to enjoy food. And now you have other companies like, you know, um, the, the home delivery foods, the meal in the box shows up in a cooler on your doorstep, but here's all the instructions. I think that's helping people get a little further along in the process. Um, through having like restaurant like experiences in your own kitchen, but you're doing pretty cookie cutter stuff. Albeit, I think it's a good stepping stone. The wild game part is you gain this extra respect for the animal because you're trying to do yeah. it a favor and not let it go to waste and cook it. And like, it's important that you get it right. So I get so frustrated when cooking a wild game, because I feel like if I mess it up, I just disrespected the process and I feel really like not good about it. So I, I have like a battle with myself about cooking that way. What's your guys' favorite cut out of the deer? Hmm. That's a tough one. I know. Yeah. I mean, Everybody goes to backstrap and it's easy, right? You can. No, it's easy. I go to that it, one. It's so easy because <laughs> if you're smart, you keep it whole. Don't cut it into chops right away. You cook it whole and then you slice it into chops or little steaks. And then it's, yeah. it's beautiful, right? It's pretty hard. Well, for some people, it's pretty easy to screw up. But for most of us, it's pretty hard to screw up. Um, I don't know that I have round piece out of, out of the hindquarter is pretty nice. It, it almost looks like a mini tenderloin in there. Um, yep. and then, uh, the football roast, I like that one a lot because you can do a lot with it. You can slice it into steaks. You can, you can do pulled venison with it. You can do, um, just a pot roast with it. There's, it's pretty universal. But then again, I look at a deer and a lot of the meat is very universal. Uh, great in fajitas. Great. If you want to mm -hmm. grind it up and make tacos, uh, chili, there's a, there's a lot to be done with it. No, absolutely. What about you? Um, my favorite is probably Greg. I'm probably with you on that one. And I'm a big fan of the round. I, I think oh. it's really versatile. Uh, sometimes we'll cook it whole as a roast and other times we'll actually slice it in the steaks and package it that way. Um, but Casey's, uh, hers is hands down the football roast and we'll cook that too. 
normally about 113, 114, um, sometimes a little bit harder if, if we got some company coming over and they're a little bit more afraid of that really red, rare meat. But uh, we'll turn that into French dip sandwiches. And uh, any anytime I make that, uh, I'll put it this way, I don't have to light candles that evening. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's, there's, pl- there's plenty of ambiance in the air. <laughs> nice. What'd you cook? Ooh, I can smell you it. Know, <laughs> it also, from, from French dip to uh, even uh, Philly cheese, venison steaks i did those and those were delicious You've done a lot of breakfast meals with it yeah like you you're pretty great you make good use of it i think when i think of the stuff you cook it's a lot of like comfort food good old home cooking stuff but then i see other people on social doing like fine dining experiences like tom uh, craig just commented said slow cooked shanks have amazing yeah. flavor man i'll tell you what i've never made a slow cook shank. No, I've never done it either because <laughs> it's got that big gnarly tendon in it. But it's not because I don't like it. It's because I that's very intimidating for me to make. I've never had someone show me that. I don't even know where to start. Well, maybe we have to experiment this year. But like the meat eater cookbook shanks. does a good job showing off uh, some of these things. Yeah, I've heard good things about duck duck moose. Is that what it's called? Yep, Hank Shaw. But I haven't. I don't have that book yet. But those are the either. things that like can level up your cooking in the kitchen. I know Tyler. Um, co-founder of OKS Hunter, who's been on the show and stuff. He he did a, a chili recipe out of the Mediator cookbook last season. They did a whole content piece around it, like a mic, like it wasn't like a YouTube, but um, just like the jump cut kind of thing. And it looked great. You got some good commentary on it. And then there's always a debate of like, do you put noodles in your chili? Do you not? Do da, 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 I feel like that one's kind of regional dependent here in Ohio. We, yeah. we have that, that Cincinnati chili yeah, where you Cincinnati. do have spaghetti and your chili together. And up here in the Northeast corner, we don't do that, but a lot of other places here do. Yeah. It's funny the different regional. I think that's the other thing too. There's some guys I follow on TikTok and Instagram that are down South and they cook food differently. Yeah. You go to Texas, chili does not have beans in it. Yeah. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. Huh. We don't put missing out, right? Yeah, they're missing out. The heck, yeah, we're hardy up here in the in the Northwoods, though. It's yeah. cold up here. We need we need all the extra stuff, noodles and beans. Like, bring it all. I need all the carbs, all the proteins. Like, I need everything. Anything that'll make gas in deer camp, bring it up. <laughs> yeah. So, what about the tactical side? What like you're putting out tactical videos too, and there's a lot of that content out there. What do you think differentiates you from others doing that kind of stuff? And what are you putting out? Um, what differentiate me? Oh God, I don't know. Um, I, I feel like I took, I take, uh, don't take yourself too seriously side to it. Um, I don't, and I will never claim myself to be a target or a trophy buck hunter. Uh, if you've fought along with us the past couple of years, we've gotten lucky and, and we know how to keep ourselves in a deer herd and spend the right amount of time and the right food sources. And when the year's goes on and changes to a little bit more bed driven hunting then then we know how to strike on that but the as far as the the content that we're putting out uh we try to keep it relative to what's going on that time of the year as in right now uh we had a young man ask us on our tiktok how to keep track of summer bucks throughout the october switch and i wish there was an easy answer for that and i, I wish i could have done it in one video but we're actually going through a probably our seven eight video series on tiktok to try and explain it to him and then to the rest of the followers of this is what we do to keep track of these summer bucks. And it, it's seemingly impossible sometimes because that jump could be a hundred yards to a different bedding area, or it could be a mile and a half. 
And if you don't have a lot of land to work with or a lot of permissions, it can be very tough. So, so we're, we're, we're trying to chase that down for him right now, but we don't really have a great strategy on what we're producing as far as our uh, this is how and this is why. Only for the reason of that's not what Fuel to Food intended to be, but it's, it's kind of made that switch into it. So we're following it, but we're playing catch up as we're doing it. Yeah. And are you, well, I guess I'll back up again. I'm just kind of a little over the place, but you know, we're talking whitetail primarily, but you mentioned fishing. Like, are you hunting small game? Are you foraging? Like, are there other things you're doing to bring the field to the table, so to speak? And I'm going to keep using your name, I guess, and I say that, but um, yeah, is there more ingredient gathering that you're doing outside of like whitetail? Oh yeah. Um, if, if we could hunt squirrel and pheasant all year round and, and fill the freezer with just those, we would hundred percent. Um, and as far as the fishing goes, I would love to claim to be a good angler, but I need a bobber and an ant and some maggots. And that's pretty much the extent of how good I am in a boat. You know, you don't have to be better than okay at, to be able to catch fish. Um, uh, depending on what you're looking for, I do really well on bluegills with either leeches or red worms. Um, my biggest bluegills come on leeches this time of year, half a night crawler because leeches are done. It's the end of the season um, and they're out deep right now. But you can do a lot with a bobber, a slip bobber and uh, some light line and, and some live bait. It's people, people kind of turn their nose at it because you know, that's cheating or that's not the way. It was, it was the way for years, you know? Yeah. And yeah. people go out and, and whack a bunch of bluegills or they'll catch some walleyes or whatever it is that they're after. And will be just as happy as the guy that, you know, has $300 rod and reel combination with the best line and uh, the latest and greatest in, in soft plastics and, and jerk baits, you know, they can, they can have just as much fun. So I, I, I don't discount yourself that much. Um, if you're starting to learn some things, you know, take things into account time of year, depth of water, and you'll be, you'll be fine. Yeah. I appreciate you saying that this was probably the first spring going into summer that we actually started to really pay attention to what we were doing as far as chasing crappie and then getting the, the bluegill spawn and then following them back into deep water. And even if we didn't do so great with filling the basket, that's the nice thing about being on the water. You weren't working, you were fishing. So who cares? Right. And you're learning now you learn for next time, this time of year, you know, depending on the weather, of course, but you're going to know that, Hey, we shouldn't mess around with this over here. We should go deeper. Or we should go shallower or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. What else though? You said like, well, I don't know. You've done squirrel, Greg. Mm-hmm. small game you shoot pheasants or aka ditch chickens as you call them we got yep. the upduck podcast on the network they talk about duck and pheasant quite frequently i don't know how much they've talked about the food side of it um i've gone rabbit hunting once and had zero luck rabbits are great i mean mm-hmm. honestly i think they probably people are going to be pissed but i think they taste a little bit better than pheasants pheasants are pheasants are they dry out pretty quick mm-hmm. and there's some tricks you can do to to make them better like the old mushroom soup and rice deal, you know, in the oven, that's pretty easy. Throw some vegetables in there. Um, that's not a bad, bad way to do a pheasant. And most of the time you're not, guys aren't keeping the, the, the legs and, and thighs because 
there's so many tendons in there. And when you cook them, all that muscle tightens up real, real yeah. hard. It's very tough. And then you bite into it and those tendons shatter like glass in your mouth. They're really not very, they're just not kind to the palate. No, they are not. But if you slow cook them, uh, slow cook them, braise them, essentially in a in a in a crock pot all day, and choose your liquid, whether it's chicken stock, beer, whatever, onions. I've done it with turkey legs too, because turkeys do a lot of running. Yeah. And the tendons are tight like that. They're or they're they're they get very hard and brittle. Um, slow cook the the thighs just like you do a turkey real slow all day long and you'll be able to pull every tendon out whole get rid of the tendons and you can take that meat and do a lot of different things with it. you can make carnitas you can make uh there you go you can make uh tacos you can do a lot of different things with with all that stuff yeah we we normally do a, a jerked taco with our legs and uh it's the same process though it's it's keeping it in the slow cooker for eight to twelve hours and it's it's worth it but it is a little bit extra work Sure. I mean, slow cookers are like, so we had tonight with slow chicken on the slow cooker and mm-hmm. you put it in there, add your ingredients, turn on slow and let it go. And then you come back yep. home and it's this amazing meal. So I feel like it's actually, there's some front loading to the work, but once it's set, you set and forget and come back and it's, you got a tasty meal. Those are the best, like slow cooker meals are my favorite for deer camp. Especially yeah, we cold. throw all the stuff in either the night before or early in the morning yeah, before we let jump it, out. You just let it do its thing. You come back to a hot, cooked, fresh meal, and it's like, wow, it's ready to go right now, and it's super good. You got to do a little bit of prep in the morning before you hit the woods. Those have been some of my favorite meals ever is coming back, you know, in sub, sub-zero sub temps in the Northwoods to a slow cooker meal with venison in the crock pot, and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. that hits the it, spot. It's, it's comfort food, and it warms you up. Yeah, it's good stuff. I'll open the phone lines up. I don't know if anyone anticipates or intends on calling. We've been low on calls lately, uh, but we'll see if Tis people want to call season. in. We're getting, yeah, that we I usually, honestly, when we have guests, I think the calls are, I never turn my Bluetooth on on this damn phone. I think, um, you know, the, uh, if we, if we have a guest, people are gun shy to call in because they don't want to interrupt. Um, but if we don't have a caller or a guest, I should say, then it seems to be like open season. So now that I have the Bluetooth turned on for the uh, Instagram, I always, there's literally always something I forget. <laughs> there's never not something that I usually I'll forget the title. I'll have the guest's name from last week's show or like there's always something I goof up. That was what I goofed up today. Sorry, Instagram well, folks. Th- there's a lot going on with your guys' setup. I've the t- the times that I've I've tuned in and watched on the different platforms. I keep looking at it and I think, man, that's that's got to be a lot of work in that setup. It's a pain in the butt. It's worth it, I think. I don't know. The live experience is what really makes it challenging. Doing this live and then having all the buttons to push and like chopping episode real time. It's just a different flavor. You got to have some different equipment to to handle all that. And there's no uh, blueprint. You just kind of figure it out and. We kind of guinea pig everything as ourselves. We do have a caller. So that happened fast. So we do have people listening, which is good. Uh, looks like we got Alec Beckers. You're live on the show. Thanks for calling in. How's it going, man? Good. How are you guys doing? Great. Good. What do you got, man? I So I've been seeing all of these different platforms uh, around wild game cooking, talking about uh, – 
sous vide as one example mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. different cooking methods that you know we generally may have not grown up with, um, at least in the wild game kitchen, so to speak. I wanted to hear your guest thought here on, you know, sous vide, is that a worthwhile endeavor? How do you use it if you utilize it at all? Um, and what are some other, you know, non-typical cooking methods um, that you like to utilize in the wild game kitchen? Uh, great question. Thanks for asking. Um, one thing that that will relate a sous vide to, for those who don't know, it's uh, it's it's pretty much wet batching um, as a slow cooker, but you're wrapping your the meat in um, some form of uh, cellophane or some kind of vacuum seal bags where it's it's not actually going to get wet, and you're just slow cooking it at a low temperature over an extended period of time. Uh, there's a, a lot of benefits to that because it will break down the muscle fibers and take tougher piece of, pieces of meat uh, to a much more tender experience. Now, uh, what you do lo lose with doing that is you're not going to create that Maillard reaction as you would with a quick sear. And, and, and that's that, that crust, that sear that people brag about with their steaks. Uh, that's what that reaction is called. So if you do follow suit with the sous vide, we do recommend doing the reverse sear me method. So once you pull it from the sous vide after X amount of hours that you were cooking it for, uh, put it on the cast iron and give that thing a really good sear and create that crust on it, and you'll have a great experience eating. Yeah, that, that's awesome to hear. I mean, I've I've got a bear tag, my first bear tag uh, this year, and that's kind of terrifying with all the trichinosis concerns. Um, and mm -hmm. I mean, I've never even seen a bear. So trying to think about how I'm going to cook this hopeful bear is kind of racking my brain. And that's where sous vide has been really interesting to me. It's like, Hey, if you look at some of these um, requirements around, you know, cooking to 165, yeah, you're going to kill the trichinosis, uh, but you lose a lot of that tenderness and, and whatnot. But if you, hold 145 internal temperature for a certain amount of time you can kind of get over that um, trichinosis risk and then go the the reverse sear method so i think that's one thing that i'm i'm tossing around and definitely might have to go pick up one of these sous vides one of these days uh, i'm curious if there's any other kind of call it non-traditional or newer cooking methods that you've been integrating into your repertoire uh, so we just got our hands on our smoker uh, a couple months ago, so we're exploring a lot of things with that. Now, granted, that's not news to a lot of people, um, but that is definitely a route that we do recommend. We've we've been a part of um, slow cooking on the smoker for a while, but finally just got our hands on one ourselves this year. Um, if that's not something that you have, 10 out of 10 recommend. Uh, it, it changes the game. It's a good excuse to hang out in the backyard for a couple hours. And uh, that's that's a great way to experience different flavors with the meat. I like it. I like it. Thank you for your input. I appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate you asking. Alex, thanks for calling in, man. It's good to hear from you. Yeah. Leave you guys to it. Thanks. Appreciate right. it. So I don't know. A lot of people don't know this. You can buy a sous vide. Like it almost looks like a, a probe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then you put it into some sort of pot and then it just kind of circulates the water gets at that temp and then it holds it yeah it heats the water but the other thing i don't think a lot of people realize this and maybe i'm wrong maybe because i i didn't realize it i just assume a lot of people like me didn't realize things but if you have an uh an air fryer or like um 
like a, what an Instapot? Instapot pressure cooker. The pressure cooker? So Pressure yeah. cooker is like probably one of the other ones that it was cool for a few years, and then I don't know, you don't hear as many people talking about it. I think but the tech changed. Like, it could be, but, you know. They've been around for a long time. Yeah, but Instapots, man, like, honestly, do your sear initially and then throw your cut of meat in there. So tender and <laughs> very flavorful, and it gets it done real fast. Well, what I was going to say about it, so I'm curious to hear what you're talking about specifically, but my air fryer Instapot pressure cooker thing has a sous vide mode. Hmm. So I could hit sous vide, put water in there, and it does its thing. And then you just have to um, make sure, again, you're, you're putting that uh, meat in some sort of sealed, you know, Ziploc or whatever it is you're doing. Um, which, when you dunk it in water, you're creating that vacuum effect, and then you just zip it up. So you're usually pretty good. But I've used that for CV, and then I have done a reverse sear. And that, when, when I, I lack a lot of confidence in the kitchen with this stuff, and that sous vide gives me a lot of confidence that bare minimum, at least this meat is safe. Like at least I'm not going to mess that part up. And that's the part that concerns my wife so much because it's not processed food. It's like, it's, you know, wild game. Like, oh, am I going to die? I'm like, no, you're not going to die. It's probably healthier and all the other stuff. Like it just is. But then that gives me some, some backing to deal with that argument with her. It's like, no, this is good. Like I sous vide it at this, you know, hundred whatever degree temperature and it held for however long. Cause at that point it won't overcook. You can keep it in there for nine hours. It's not going to overcook. It just holds that temperature. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of an interesting way to like break down those enzymes or whatever. And give the same thing with the smoker. I got a, a pit boss and it's a, I call it a smoker for dummies because it's, you pour the wood chips in, you set the dial to the temp you want low and slow and you let it roll. Like you don't have to do anything other than tend to the meat or whatever you got to do based on your recipe. But I, I'll cook, you know, a pork shoulder in there or whatever I'm doing. And, uh, I've done meals where I put meatball. I did venison meatballs in a crock or in a cast iron skillet in the slow cooker. And I made meatball, a meatball sub sandwich. And that was one of the best meals I think I ever had. Yeah. That was that's, like, that's creative. That was really cool. But that gets you out of your comfort zone experimenting with things in unique ways too. So I've really enjoyed the cast iron skill. I've really enjoyed the the pellet grill because I can smoke things and not have to like manage smoke. I'm not like a real pit boss person. So like I don't actually know what I'm doing, but if I can make some of those other things feel really easy, then I can focus on the part that is important to me. Which and, is, with, and with the risk of, of speculating, I think a lot of guys are actually afraid to try new things with wild game because it does take a lot of work to to get it. And I think they're afraid of kind of screwing it up and making it taste bad and, and wasting it. Yep. That's been my drawback like that or hold, that has held me back for years. That's why a lot of deer get made into sausage. That's what it no. was. It's like, hey, yeah, yeah I'll just, sausage. can I just get this all into hamburger meat? You know, just ground it up, please, because then I'll just make chili till the cows come home. And that's what I did for <laughs> years. And now I'm finally Chili's getting into spaghetti. cooking steaks and like having more fun with this and like experimenting more and feeling confident in my experimentation where I'm not feeling like I'm going to F it up as, ba as bad. I have my moments. Usually if I do a cast iron skill, that's the other thing with the pit boss. I can roll the cast iron outside. And uh, so I could still use it as a uh, stovetop, but then I'm just using the, that, the reason for that is I'm not splattering grease all over the kitchen. Mm -hmm. I'm not flaring up smoke and making the whole house smell like venison meat, which I've done before. And so then I'm like, Oh, I can probably just do this outside bacon. I cook a lot of bacon on the cast iron in the morning or I'm sorry on the, on the pit boss. 
Because then I stink up the neighborhood and not my house. You do bacon out on the pit boss? Oh, yeah. I even got like... How's a, the flare up with that? That's great. I got a... Um, yeah? Yeah, I got a, a bacon teepee. Oh, So you okay. just slap the bacon over the teepee and it's got uh, drainage like okay. compartments for the grease. Nice. But I've not had... I've done it straight on the grill too and I'm not... Because it's all covered by the sear plate. Or, yeah, or then you got so you bacon grease all over your smoker. Yeah, you take it out. You 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 take a wire brush to it every now and again. You vacuum it out the shop vac. You're all good to go. I mean, maybe it's not recommended to do that. Again, I don't actually know what I'm doing. So if there's someone like cringing right now, I'm sorry. <laughs> you can come give me some lessons on my pit boss. Bet but, your dog likes your really, shop vac. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like a weird shirt right there. Um, but no, it's it's been it's been nice. I think the first meal I ever made on the pit boss was like this. I went and bought a pork shoulder or uh, what did I get? No, I got a, uh, what's that really nice cut of meat that everyone smokes? Brisket. Brisket. I got a brisket and the butcher wouldn't cut it down. So I had to buy the whole thing. It was like $80. I was like, what just happened to me? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, why did I just pay $80 for a piece of meat? Yeah. Bris- <laughs> brisket's expensive. <laughs> it's colossal. Yeah, it too. It was a huge Not a lot of people like it because it's got a lot of fat in it. And it's kind of a really oh, undesirable ch- chunk of meat. For the most part, it's not a tenderloin or. Well, you put on that slow cooker for whatever it was eight hours. And that was incredible. That's good. Yeah, might have been twelve, but it was easy too. I did whatever the recipe said, lathered in mustard, seasoned it up, and then I put it in a a boat of tin foil or aluminum foil, and I I did some sort of basting mechanism process for the latter half of that, so it got really moist. Um, so it smoked forever. Then I moistened it up, and then smoked it some more and then I got it off and it was like it was freaking good so my wife like say moist oh yeah what's with people in that word that and pulsate can't handle that one either <laughs> I don't know well it, it, it sounds like you did it up pretty good though I did follow some instructions to the T on that one but I had the equipment to do it and I was like well that wasn't that bad it was great and I was like maybe I'm gonna enjoy this whole process so it's like anytime you get something new you get really into it so it kind of lost my like I still use it quite a bit, but not, I'm not like doing extravagant things every other week or every other day. Like I was before I was like, what else well, can I cook? What else can I do? You know? And now I'm like, I've tapered off a little bit. I feel like when you get a new toy and then spend $80 on a piece of meat, you're going to do the best you can not to <laughs> yeah, screw it up. You should. Yeah. Yeah. That was a big one. Yeah. That was a, uh, that was a good one. My wife was impressed. So anytime I can impress her, it's a big, it's a big deal. She's not overly impressed with half the things I do. So, Eric, I, I know at the beginning of this, you kind of said that you lost some property. Uh, going into the next couple of weeks, what are you guys looking into doing as far as your scouting and everything else goes? Oh, I'm just winging everything. Like that property even was, I winged that last year. I didn't, it's not a property I'd ever hunted before. It's a buddy that's building a house on some land. I was like, dude, can I hunt this? He's like, you're like the third person that asked me today what's going on. I was like, it's hunting season, man. That's what's going on. Um <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, yeah, yeah, you can hunt it. So I, I went out and I hunted it the one time and I got the buck and that was pretty lucky. Uh, there, there's some rod activity going on. So I closed the deal fortunately and it all worked out, but I'm a public land guy through and through and not because I'm proud of it or it's been a thing. And the, you know, it's a hot topic. Like I've been a public land hunter since I was, you know, 15 going out with my dad. Cause that's all we had access to. So I still hunt public land by and large, I'd get on any tract I can. It seems like anytime I do a fresh sit somewhere, I have success. Anytime it's the first sit, I tend to do pretty well, uh, to be f- quite frank. Even if I don't steal the deal, I still do well by my standards. And 
I like bobbing around and bebopping around and checking out new stuff. It's fun for me. Mm-hmm. I enjoy the adventure component of that more than anything. Uh, Greg's got some land that he frequents quite often and has gotten to know pretty well. And it's uh, for him, he's trying to figure out this enigma of where these big dogs lay down and, and how he can hunt them. And so that's been a fun puzzle for him, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it It's always fun. It's, uh, you know, a little frustrating and a little defeating at the end of the year when you can't find what you're looking for or thought you, you know, you were onto something and it turns out it's not what you thought it was. Uh, yep. You know, and then you got the, the battle of other people out there using that land because it's their, you know, it's their right to do so. So you can't tell them to not walk in that patch of cattail or whatever. Um, but I also f- kind of fill the void by getting a little private permission too, where I can go shoot does. So I have a place I can go and shoot does until I'm out of tags and buy some more tags and keep shooting if I really wanted to because they have that big of a problem with them. Um, otherwise, uh, I'll be public land hunting for a buck. I'll be running around looking for a buck on various pieces of public, and that'll be fun. It's a challenge, but it is fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suspect you're public land, by the way. You've talked about it from what I can gather, and you're in Ohio, you said? Yeah. Yeah. Who else is in Ohio? Byron. Byron, Jake Bush. Yep. Who else? I feel like we know more people in Ohio. Maybe that's all I can all think All the of Exodus guys. Well, yeah. some of the Exodus guys. Yeah, yeah you got you got some good hunters out your way. Yeah, we yeah we sure do. They definitely set the bar pretty high to keep up with. Yeah, the Exodus guys put out a shit ton of content. Jake Bush does too, obviously, with Latitude. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of those guys are in Michigan, otherwise. I feel like Ohio's good, Michigan's good, Iowa, Wisconsin. I don't know. There's we got people here, but not. I feel like the bigger names are Pennsylvania and Michigan, Michiganders by and large. And then you got some Ohio and some Wisconsin. I don't know what else you got. You got some Southern guys every now and again that pop up. Minnesota. Minnesota. Eh. We went to Minnesota that you know. Garrett Prawl. That's where Garrett is. Mm-hmm. That's why I like him. <laughs> he's one of us, basically. Except he's probably a Vikings fan. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> no, that's cool. So, tactically, what about you, man? What do you got going? You got plans, strategies? Uh, yeah. This is this is going to be a quite busy fall for us at Field to Food. Um, Casey's got a lot of schoolwork to do, but but she's kind of set it upon herself to go out and figure out where and how and get her own deer without any of my help. And I said, well, my phone number is the same, so if you need help, call me. But, um. <laughs> Uh, so she, she's trying to figure it out, and I think she's doing a pretty good job so far. But as, as far as uh, us to together, um, we're kind of in the same boat as as you, Greg. Uh, we have permission on one piece of private, and uh, we we try and manage it buckwise the the best that we can. But it's such a small piece that even if if we and we do, we pass on these smaller, younger deer for the benefit of the herd, but. Uh, it's it's up to the neighbors at that point. And that's not really what we typically practice anyways. Um, we're more of a bird in hand kind, kind of hunters. So as, as far as the public goes, we've been scouting for the past, I think, four or five weeks. And now we're just finally condensing what areas we're, we're going to spend uh, the first two or three weeks of October. And then I'm taking a trip to Southern Ohio and then bouncing to Michigan for a week, maybe a week and a half and trying to squeeze in a Pennsylvania tag at the same time. 
Well, you kind of got to do that because Ohio's a one buck state, you know. And yep. if you get a management area where you can shoot multiple does, that's great. So you take advantage of that. Mm. But yep. yeah, running to Michigan, you can get a tag there, and then Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is pretty affordable. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very. Yeah, very affordable. Hard to and hunt. Though. I, very hard to hunt. I was there back in 2020 or 21. And uh, I kind of got my butt kicked, and I feel like this is a redemption year. So although I'm trying to squeeze it in, I'm probably going to put more emphasis on that. And it's it's here in Ohio, I'm so used to being a, a hill hunter and, and hunting these ridges and understanding uh, just just how they change throughout the patterns of, of the year and diving off these ridges and then collecting their information on each other and then and then trying to get information on them at the same time. Where Pennsylvania the unit that I keep buying my tag in is flat. And I think that's, what's really kicking my butt is that that's not what I'm tr- used to. Yeah. And I think the Hills can be hard enough to hunt. So if you're more in your element, maybe that might be the thing to do unless you really just like it because it's convenient and it's closer for you to run over to that, that particularly particular area. Maybe you need to go North and, and hit the Hills more. Yeah, which is which is exactly what I need to do. But I, I have a buddy that has family that has property out there, and they they allow me to take my camper out there and, and stay there for free. So it's it's well, do I pay for a campsite and hunt when I'm used to, or do the closer, cheaper version and try and figure something new out? And and at this point, it's, it's almost an ego thing. I I don't want to lose to Pennsylvania again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good challenge to to overcome. Then you feel like you actually yeah kind of put a dent in it and figured it out a little bit, get a little notch in your belt. I think that's yeah. a good level up, a good unlock for sure. I don't I would even say, yeah, maybe a little bit of ego, but probably more of just like accomplishment and confidence mm-hmm. in your yeah. ability. Cause if you can figure out different types of property or terrain that then you just skilled up as a hunter as a whole. Yeah. And then that's, that's kind of what I'm chasing is uh, with, with all the changes that I've gone through personally hunting the past couple of years, figuring out flat swampy terrain is kind of one of those last notches i want to get yeah it's cool we have eh, i don't know there's a fair amount of just general hills here in wisconsin like some of the properties have rolling hills i wouldn't say it's like the western part of the state's bluff what i would call bluff country where there's like steep steep inclines and declines drop off cliffs things like that where you got hard rock faces and things like that where you know that terrain is pretty dynamic you got the mississippi river you got um the wisconsin river and then you got like a lot of egg and then you got this hilly stuff going on it's a pretty diverse yeah the eggs usually in the bottoms are on the very tops of those hills it's pretty it's pretty interesting we we gun hunt some of that area and it's uh dynamic so it's pretty cool because there's I think there's a lot of big deer that run around over there for sure and just a lot of places for them to general but they're yeah they can honker down and you'll never see them especially with the rivers like you get a lot of guys that'll hunt out of they'll bring their duck boats and they'll go out and get on these little islands on the on the river and uh, try to hunt them and i think they do pretty good some of those guys you see them carrying out some pretty nice deer out of their boats but a lot of competition then too yeah mm-hmm. i think you're doing something different boom you see 10 other guys doing the same thing you're like shit <laughs> like how am i going to do this now it, it, it is a unique challenge when you got to deal with hunting pressure it's certainly a whole nother level like Craig. I don't think there's any area in your area that's not totally untouched by some hunter. No, there's, there's every time you turn around, there's another camera hanging somewhere, cell camera somewhere, or, you know, you're finding boot tracks in the dirt or the mud. 
Phil Cavs are probably better to see because they're not in there. Yeah. Checking yeah. as much. And, and just because you see boot, boot tracks doesn't mean that person gets to get out as much as you do. Maybe they're trying to only hunt the late season. You just don't know what you don't know. And you still got to do what you can do because that's what you can control. Yep. You can't control what other people are going to do, but you can nope. control what you're going to do and how you're going to react to it. Yep. yep. Absolutely. So try to stay positive. I, I'm not sure what your guys' uh, public land area up there by in, in your neck of the woods is, but here in Ohio, we're only about 4.2% public land. And that's not very much. I think we're, we're rated like 45th or 42nd in the United States for availability for public land hunting. So it's, it's, it's a parking lot pretty much in, in a lot of spots. And there's, I, I know that they say you got to find the smaller overlooked spots, but there's, there's really no such thing in, in this area, especially because the state actually comes in in most of these smaller pieces and cuts trails. So guys can access all those deeper cuts a lot easier and so you're thinking to yourself man like am, am i trying to hunt deer or am i trying to hunt around people sometimes it's, yeah sometimes it's definitely more of the latter wisconsin i just did a quick google and we have uh looks like 30 i can't do the math on this i'm not going to do a multiple here but it says there's 14.9 percent of their state of our state is open to hunt that's that's pretty good. So about fifteen yeah. percent of the states got public land. And we got some pretty big tra like if you count the Northwoods, it gets pretty vast and open up there. Especially yeah, the yeah. whole Nicolay. Yeah, that's got a, a national forest that's open to us. So and then you got your southern farmland zones. I think it's and most of the sparse. stuff around us is gonna be you know, for public land is gonna be marsh and grassland. A lot of marsh, a lot of swamp. Uh in between the the ag lands, you know, with all the all the private stuff. So whatever's not tillable that gets too darn wet. Um, that, you know, if the farmers don't want to keep it or don't want to fill it, it usually gets sold off and it gets, it was, it's turned into uh, public land, either conservancy land or, or state, complete, yeah, state, complete, completely public, Sometimes open to everything. DOT yeah. or whatever. Yeah. yeah DOT is another one. That's another little loophole that they do. Yeah. You start digging deep enough, you get in some unique spots, but I don't think there's any stone that hasn't been overturned by the internet. It used to be like. In the early days of the internet, I go back to like freshman year high school, 2000. Well, yeah, 2000. <laughs> and I'm like, if you were a savvy internet user and first to move on the internet, when that was still like, what's the internet? What's Ask Jeeves? You know? And uh, you jump on there and you start to find some like, look at this. I know this data about how many deer were killed in this, you know, uh, county or, or whatever. Or you yeah. get these like, maps from the dnr that were barely servicing yet and you could find these filters on it to sparse the land differently or whatever um you could really get ahead of the curve uh, mm -hmm. that is not the case anymore no like it's nope. everything's public knowledge yeah. and it's so easy to find i will add though that if you get into your like local city ordinances or municipalities you can still find tracts that like would not be illuminated on an Onyx or a Spartan Forge or a HuntWise or a Hunt Stand or whatever it is, you'll find things that maybe you wouldn't have otherwise seen. And a lot of it's like you just drive around and go, man, look at that property. I bet you there's some deer in there. And then you go back and you start to get on your apps and you look, what, who owns this land? What is this land? And eventually you discover, oh, it's the city of whatever. Well, you call the city official or whoever it is, the town clerk. And they're like, oh, yeah, you can hunt that. That's an uh, ordinance, you know, 1.0234 in the, in the whatever. And you're like, holy shit, did I just find something? <laughs> you know, so it can happen, but it's, it's yeah. rare. 
Yeah, we actually, uh, we're trying to venture down that same path right now. There's a, a small town, probably about 25 minutes away from us. And we went and scouted it the other day and uh, called the city and they said, yeah, but you have to put in for a permit and we're not issuing permits right now. We're, we're not sure if we're gonna be handing out a whole lot this year because we're changing the program of how we allow hunters in there, which is fine as, as long as they have rules and are proactive with it, great. Uh, hopefully they, and my personal opinion, hopefully they, they put some kind of small fee to it so it actually creates some funds for the city as well. Um, but there's a, a guy that I bumped into on public last year and he lives out there. So I called and asked him about it. And he's like, yeah, man, uh, you can kill a great bucks in there. Just just put in for the permit. Yep. Yeah, there was a time, gosh, like almost 10 years ago, I, the gun hunting we do is in a state park. And it used to be they had what was called a special park permit pass. It was only $3, but you couldn't hunt the park unless you had that. And at the time, they only sold 60 of them. So you have this huge state park and only 60 people had permission to hunt it. And because it was a state park, they managed it. Like you were not hunting that if you didn't have this little special pass. Which was great. And yeah. that pass sold out in like 60 seconds on the internet. So we used to do like, I'd bring people to my work office that I was at at the time and I'd set everyone up on computers on my hunting party and we'd be like, all right, someone else grab the front of the store. All right, we, we got four minutes, three minutes, two. There's everyone logged on. Is everyone at the per, the page and you'd have to refresh on the DNR page. Refresh, refresh, boom. It's live, it's live. Click, 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 click. Get your information in. What's your DNR customer number? You should have had that four minutes ago. Put it in, put it in. Do we get it? We all got it. Woo, high fives, let's get beers. We got the park permit pass. Like. It was gone in like a minute. And one year my dad didn't get it. He's like, uh, I didn't get it. <laughs> like it was this crazy <laughs> thing. So he didn't hunt with us that year. Like he couldn't, you didn't get it. I was like, shit, what do we do? You know, is there other land around here? Like it was this crazy situation. They went away with that. And eventually they upped the numbers to 80, then to 120. And then they just dropped it all together. And I don't know that anyone ever really knew it. And now it, it doesn't feel that different. Some of my buddies would argue with me on that. They'd be like, bullshit, it's crowded as hell. I'm like, it feels the same as it's always felt to me. But yeah, there, there, things have changed, but things will continue to change. More land will open up. Some will go away. Like it's just an ebb and a mm -hmm. flow and yeah, it is what it is. But that's, yeah, I have a very strong belief systems on public land hunting pressure that have borne another business of mine. So that's a whole different topic for me. I could get deep on that and I've not talked about it in a long time because there's not much to talk about for now, but that's a whole different bag of worms for me. Yeah. But good to have you on the show, dude. Yeah, pr yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. It's always fun to get, like, you see someone on the internet, on social, putting out stuff, doing their thing. It's always fun to invite them into the podcast and get to know people a little bit better. You know, it's only an hour or so. It's still more than we'd get just commenting back and forth. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But Cool. Let's remind people where they can find you and where you want to direct them to. Uh, Field to Food, you can find it on the, the major medias, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. Um, feel free to message us if you if you have questions. Uh, that's kind of what we're here for is, is to promote uh, the idea of what we do, not necessarily who we are, but the, the idea of, of keeping uh, the game that you require from the field and, and, and giving it the respect that it deserves, which is actually our mantra. And uh, one last piece of advice to everybody, if you see somebody on public land, just be nice because we're all doing the grind. That's certainly that's good. Good uh, advice. I'm gonna put. I think I got some music I can put on here to wind us down. There we go. 
go. Well, uh, just some housekeeping items. We'll keep you on when we end the recording here, just to debrief or whatever. But uh, Foam Fest is coming up very, very soon. So if you're nearby Wisconsin or you're in Wisconsin, you want to make the trek, um, registration will be open until the day of. But it's going to be at Horkon Marsh Bowman uh, Club in Horkon. And uh, that's August 26th. So things kick off, I think, around 9 o'clock in the morning. There'll be coffee, donuts, some just light breakfast stuff. Go shoot the course. um, Have some fun. Come back for lunch. Hang out. Shoot the breeze. We'll do prizes. We have a lot to give away. You guys, I've not even begun. Like, I've been collecting more and more stuff. Um, We got a a trad bow coming our way. That just popped up this week. We got a Garmin watch. That just popped up this week. We had uh, Vortex on us up last week. We got boots we got all sorts there's just there's a lot of stuff bows we got the bow on the wall here the uh bear legit we got two of those lots of stuff um method yeah not method um well we were gonna have method <laughs> that's a different method to saddle <laughs> yeah yeah oh my bad or the method saddle yeah but i gotta talk latitude. to those guys attitude thank you, there you go. that's what i'm trying to say method to saddle confusion it's been a long day per usual anyway so you can still register for that. It's 40 bucks. That gets you all the food throughout the day. That's breakfast, lunch, lunch and dinner. You can camp overnight. Um, so you can stay at a Sunday. I got to jet quick on Sunday. I got to catch a plane to New York. So I'll be piecing out quick. Uh, I think that was like the major announcement. I don't know. Check out the other podcasts on the network. Check out the OKS Fisher that Greg loves to talk about. Uh, check out Up Duck if you're into upland or duck hunting and dog training and all that stuff. And check out our newest edition the onset with elizabeth brownell she's doing a uh, great job with that she's doing a really really good job we have more to come with that more podcasts are joining the network it just takes time to get all that stuff figured out my music stuff so i guess i'll stop talking but uh oh yeah vote for us on carbon tv that was a thing that's happening this week we can yeah, you know the thing we got we got voted uh or nominated we got nominated for best comedic moment and i think it's just episode one of season one of it's all good we'll see how it goes that's what that means but you can yeah. go and vote that we put a thing on our instagram on our facebook go check it out we'll probably post about that a couple times a week until that's done um i don't know what happens if we win i, I don't really i don't really know <laughs> i don't know maybe uh elon musk will uh send satellites over your house and, <laughs> who, knows? who knows it's yeah it's weird but should be should be neat i don't know it's just kind of cool we got nominated for something and uh, for the right something, I think best comedic moment fit is fitting. Yeah, it certainly wasn't most cinematic. No, that was uh, which was part. We of don't the goal. do some cinematic no. whatsoever. No. All right, guys, gals, thanks for tuning in. Have a great week. Till next week, we'll be back and uh, enjoy your I don't know whatever it is you're doing when you listen to this. Thanks for tuning in. See you.